Good morning. How's everybody feeling this morning? We're feeling sleepy, tired. I'm not sure right there. How you feeling this morning? Come on, we are not a dead church. We are alive. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here. We have a lot going on. If you're new here, if you're visiting, my name is Dave DeFrancesca, and welcome to the Avenue. I hope you feel warm and welcome this morning. I hope you experience Jesus today and leave out of here better than when you came in in your heart. My wife, Tara, and I have had the privilege of pastoring this church for over five years now, and we're honored that you would be here with us today. There's a lot going on. Yesterday, we had an amazing outreach at the Garden Gate Apartments where we went and did a backpack bash giveaway. Because of your generosity, we were able to give away backpacks to kids. We just sponsored the whole apartment complex and by faith and just said we're going to uh, every kid that needs one, we're going to give them a backpack. And so we had not reached there and fed people and had an awesome time. Thank you to Justin and Jamie Littlejohn for leading that and heading that up. And what a great opportunity we had to be uh, a light in our community. Uh, we're excited because of where we're going next. As you saw on the video, we begin a brand new series next weekend uh, on In My Feelings and talking about making decisions and choices not based upon where we've been, but upon where we're going. Come on, are you going somewhere are you moving forward with your life? I hope so. The vision of the avenue is simply this. We exist to move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. And that is a forward direction as we move forward following him. In a few weeks after that, I didn't even say this in the first service. So second service, you only get this bit of information. We are beginning a brand new series, August 27th called Miracles, and we are going to dive deep into the miracles of Jesus. And as we study them, I am believing by by, by faith that we are going to see miracles happen in our lives as well. How many of y'all still believe in miracles? Come on, how many of y'all believe the same God that did the miracles then, that did them in the Old Testament, through Elisha, through Elijah, through Jesus, now the same Spirit that quite, of Christ that dwell in you, that raised Him from the dead, be in your mortal bodies. Oh, God only knows what we can do when we believe for miracles. That series is going to be lit, as the young people say, if they're still saying that word. We are in a series that we have been doing here uh, the last couple of weeks. We're in part three of this, first time we've ever done it, and it's called The Conversation. And in this series, we're simply, we simply ask each one of you to submit some questions in different categories, in the category of dating and uh, married and relationships, and then also in parenting and family. And those are the first two weeks. And this morning is under money and finances and resources. So as we dive into this this morning, uh, and we, as we unpack these thoughts, I want you to keep out in front the one thought that we have established is that we are committed to living a God-first life. That means God is at the top and He is our priority. And from there we build everything else down. So this format is way different. Typically we'd have somebody speaking. We'd have a message at this point that would last about an hour and a half to two hours. Just kidding. Not the church I grew up in. We have about a 30-minute, 35-minute message. But this morning, I've invited a panel of very experienced people to lean in and speak to us about an amazing concept and thought of finances, which I love talking about money. I love talking about finances. I love talking about stewarding what God has and managing. I love being a vessel that God can work through to get money and resources to different people in different places. And we're going to unpack some of those thoughts this morning. And as we do, I invite you to lean into this conversation and really lean in with your heart first. The Bible says never to give out of compulsion or obligation. Do you know the Bible said that? Apparently those commercials that run on TV for ads for you to adopt pets and animals and dogs didn't read that scripture because they're always twisting my heart around and asking me to give some money for that little kitty cat. 
But the Bible says, do not give out of compulsion, but what you have set aside predetermined. Oh, that's a good scripture. That we have already made a decision what we're going to do. Now, we're also open and available. And that's what Paul said as he goes on. He says, because when you leave with an open heart, then you leave, live with an open hand. If somebody's got to twist your hand behind your back to open your hand up to give, it's not generosity, it's obligation. But if you leave with an open heart so that you have predetermined what you're going to give, and then also from there a space where, God, if you nudge me and want me to give more and do something else, if you want me to buy a backpack for somebody, if you want me to do something else, I'm willing to do it. And that's what we do here at the Avenue. We just ask you, talk to God about what he wants you to do with your finances, with your resources. We don't manipulate. We don't make anybody feel under compulsion or pressure. It's simply a conversation. However, the balance of that is, is your life, the best life you can live, is simply in a place where you're following God's Word across, across the board. So marriages and homes and families and dating and every area and finances as well. So you may be visiting there and you're like, man, I came to church for the first time here at this church and they're talking about money. Good for you. I hope this is helpful to you, and I hope it's a blessing today. So welcome our panel of experienced people this morning. On my left here, we have Brandy and John Clark, and they have been so instrumental in our church, and they have been a big part. They've led small groups about finances. They've led small groups about marriages. They've played a big role in a lot of things we've done. John has preached here on several occasions as well. And then we have Pastor Brandon and Lori over here, and you know them. Uh, they are care pastors. They are pretty much more connected to everybody than even Tara and I probably are. They keep up with people. They love on people. Uh, they've led small groups and teams, and they've just fit in and done everything. I don't know that there's anybody in the church that's done a mis more miscellaneous category list than they have, and they've been consistent, and so we love them as well and their families. Uh, and so we dive in this morning. Would you do me a favor? Put your hands together and welcome them, and we'll dive into our very first question. So people want to know, what is the difference between a tithe and an offering? Break that word tithe down for us. And what's the difference in a tithe and an offering? Yes, sir. So a, a tithe simply means a tenth. And specifically, when you look at scriptures, the context is this, is not just a tenth, but specifically the first tenth, meaning that it's the very first of what we have so we give that back to God. And, and really what that points back to is a scripture in Malachi. Uh, Malachi tells the people, he says, bring the tithe or the first tenth to the place where God provided for the people. Malachi 3.10, it says it like this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. So when, when Jesus tells us to do something, we shouldn't keep asking the question, Jesus, do you want me to do it? It's how many, if you guys, uh, uh, my nine-year-old is sitting in this service. So uh, he's really good at asking me if he wants candy, right, if he can have some candy, right? So Deacon knows that generally I heard him the first time. If I don't answer the first time, there's a good chance the answer is no. But as every good nine-year-old will tell you, um, you got to keep asking until you get a definitive no, right? So it's yes, 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 until you hear no. So a lot of us, I believe, as believers, what we do with Jesus, we hear him answering a question for us, and we keep bringing the question back, be like, Jesus, you sure about that? Jesus, you sure about that? And what I want to point back to is in Matthew 23, 23, um, Jesus just answered the question. He says it like this, you should tithe. So if there was ever any doubt about that, what does Jesus say about tithing? Should you tithe or should you not? He says, you should tithe 
Yes, but do not neglect the more important things, meaning the other matters of the heart, the things that he has called us to do, the life that he's called us to live. Tithing is not unto itself. It's not just my money belongs to God. It is my entire life belongs to God. That includes my money. Hmm. But let's make a distinction here. Offerings are something that we give as we sense the Holy Spirit leading us to do so. Um, if I could paint a picture that's really, really simple, it would be this. Tithing is unemotional. Offerings are emotional. Say so tithing is something that we predetermine, that we set aside apart from situation, apart from feelings, apart from experiences. This first tenth of my income or all that I have belongs to God. And then offerings become a place where, God, because I'm living a life of generosity, I'm open to what you say when you say it. In other words, I don't say no automatically. I say, God, I'm open to you. And so you can see this in 2 Corinthians 9, 17. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly, as Pastor Dave says, or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And I would say this, God loves the cheerful giver, not the giver who just gives, but the giver who gives cheerfully. So God is more looking at the heart than he is the act. So That's really good. And I think that oftentimes we kind of um, we mix that up. And that's why it was a really good opening question to kind of lay some groundwork. Because you're going to hear this word uh, throughout. And, and really at the basis of what we're discussing and the basis of life is it comes back to living a God first life is that, that initial 10%, that tie, that 10%. And when you are in that space, you're saying, God, I give you 10% up front, and then, the, I can, and then I live on the 90%. And when you don't, you're stepping into a space where you say, God, I, I know what I can do with 100%, and it's better than what you can do with 90%. And so you're positioning yourself with one posture or another. And so this is not, so as you hear us talk about this today, the, uh, this is not a grab. This is not an opportunity for the church to lean in and be like, hey, we need more money. Let's talk about tithing. Shh, let's sneak this one in there in the series. This is an opportunity for us to say, hey, your life, your best, the best life you could leave and live and lead is the life that is blessed by God. He said if you would tithe, he would open the windows of heaven. And would he not pour out blessings on your life? If I said raise your hand if you want God to pour out blessings on your life, not just financially, but financially, hands would go up everywhere. What's crazy, and this is, this is your ignorant pastor now, so just write this off and forgive me. As we talk about tithing in the church, all the tithers, people that tithe, they're like, yes, pastor, preach. And people that don't are like, why are we talking about money again? Because it's a position of the heart. It's a posture of the heart and where we sit and the perspective and what we lead. 10% is just a number. And God just leads with that number so it's a flat line so we're all in the same. Somebody want to lean in with anything else? Another thought there? Yeah, I would say um, we talked about this a little bit in the first services. We can't forget that tithe and offering is also a form of worship. Mm, and so good. When, when you... When you're giving, you know, there's, there's two forms uh, really in, in, in the Bible that, that, that is, is a form of worship, and that is in your tithing and also in your fasting because it, it permits us to sacrifice, right? Like we have to give something of ourselves more than just, okay, God, give to me, right? God is saying actually in this, <coughs> excuse me, give, you know, and we're going to talk later about what comes from that giving. 
but tithing is just another form of worship. It's, 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 it's no different than us coming in on a Sunday morning and getting, you know, before the face of God and just worshiping. It's the way that we do it in a different way, right? So I would, I would, I would make that uh, note as well. So good. That's so good. Uh, let's dive into this next thought of budgets, because oftentimes somebody will say to me, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I need a breakthrough. I need a financial breakthrough. I need a miracle. Uh, I need God to do something. I need to make ends meet. And I will pray for you. I will pray with them. I will, but I will also then follow up with two questions. One, do you have a budget and do you tithe? Because if you have a budget, you've put into place some practical disciplines and you may just be having a hard season, which we've all had. If you don't have a budget, you're going to have bad disciplines and you're going to find yourself in this cycle that cannot be broken. And then I ask, and do you tithe? Because if you are a tither, then God has promised to rebuke the devourer from over your life. And if you are not in this place of tithing, then how effective is my prayer for your life when you're not keeping up the part that God has already instructed us to keep? And so as we get into this next section on budgets, we're going to do is we're going to lean in. And so if you're here and you're like, oh, we're getting like to dive in deep with the church this morning. Yes, you are, because we're going to talk about the church budget. And then Brandy's going to lean in with some personal budgets as well. So the, does, a, does a church have a budget? Now, we threw this question in ourselves because I wanted to just lean in here and talk about this. And does a church have a budget? And the answer is yes. The church has a budget. And in Luke 14, Jesus tells a story, and he says, Suppose one of you builds a house, wants to build a tower. Would you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you and say, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. How many times have you met somebody who bought a car and wasn't able to pay for it? Bought a house and it was way too big. Have a credit card. I got approved. It doesn't mean you should. Because we don't count the cost. We're not looking at the interest rate. We're not looking at what it's really going to cost me for that thing. And so as a church, we have a budget because we find it to be good stewardship and wise to step into this place. So let me give it to you real quick. I'm going to throw a slide up. Our budget breaks down into four pieces. First part of that is simply this. It's missions. So every 10% of what we receive here at the Avenue goes back out in missions. Now, there hasn't been a year that we've given under 14% out in missions, but we're so adamant about the tithe and about, the, about doing this that I put it in the bylaws before the church was even started that the church would have to tithe at least 10% back into missions. And there are churches that don't do this. And that's between them and God. But I know for the church that we're leading, this is a huge part of what we do. So we tithe 10% back in the missions. 20% goes into operations, 35% goes into buildings, and 35% goes into ministries. So let me break that down for you really quick. I took way too long in the first service. I'm going to have to be shorter here in this service. So what does it look like? For us, missions look like a couple different ways. Internationally, World Compassion, the video that you saw, they just sent that to us last week, and it was just coincidence. We didn't ask for it. They just send that out, and they say, thank you for your generosity and supporting us, and they let us know what they're doing in nations where the gospel is not welcome, taking Bibles and supporting pastors who live undercover. You saw their faces blurred out? It's because, they, they fear for, because their lives are at stake for presenting the gospel in those nations. 
Mission of Hope is a new organization we began supporting in the Dominican Republic and in Haiti. They feed orphans. They take care of uh, children. They feed the poor. And so uh, we love to partner with them. And it probably, it looks like it looks like we probably have a good chance of going on a mission trip, which would include an open invitation to each one of you to say, hey, let's go down to Dominican Republic and lean in there for about five, six, seven days next summer. And though you'll be hearing more about that later. And then also through ARC, ARC is what launched us as a church plant and they helped us get off the ground. They gave us money and resources at the beginning. They, they helped train us. And so we sow back into them as well for what they've done. And we were church plant number 756 through them, 756. And now I believe it's somewhere around 1,100. So we've had the opportunity to be a part of three, 400 different church plants that have happened since then because of your giving so we can give back to planting churches around this country. It's also benevolence. It's outreaches. It's outreaches and different things like that we do as well in the missions category. Buildings, what does it mean? It's what it costs to run the logistical side of the church. It's rentals. It's salaries. It's storage. It's insurance. It's upgrades. It's the, it's the different pieces of it that make that cost things to, to run the practical side of what we do here. 35% goes into ministries. It's what it costs to run the spiritual side of the church. It's our teams, our small groups, our growth track, our coaching, our conferences, our guest speakers, our fun days, our anniversaries, our holidays, anything that, res that, resorts, that results in the fact that ministry happens comes out of that. And then operations at 20%, which is professional fees, credit card fees, uh, subscriptions, marketing, the website, church supplies, printing, all those types of costs come out of there as well. And it is vital that you understand, because I, uh, I think as we give, we understand what we're giving to. And we understand what we're giving through. We're giving to God through the avenue. And it's important that we have something called a budget. Now, on the heels of that, I would ask you, do you have a personal budget as well that you practice? And if you don't, Today could be the day that changes everything for you and your finances as you move forward, as you project your future and look into it. And I've asked Brandy to lean in because Brandy is an expert in this area. Everybody else is just experienced. I think Brandy's just an expert. No pressure, no pressure, but she's just really good. So lean in with a personal budget and some help there. a great read mm -hmm. and a uh, little homework assignment there's tons of little nuggets in there uh, with great advice on how you can steward your finances um proverbs 21 5 is one of my favorites um it aligns with my love language which is planning <laughs> lead surely to plenty but those of everyone who is hasty truly to poverty um you know jesus talks about finances more than anything else uh 500 times on Prayer, less than 500 on faith, and more than 2,000 on stewarding your finances. If this doesn't tell you mm -hmm. that God wants you to have your finances in order, then it's a good thing you're here today. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're looking at your household budget, I think that you have to always remember that tithe is at the top. It's not whatever you have left over That's to good. give. It's yeah. what you can start with what you have to give, and that is your offering. And by doing that and making your 10% first, it means that everything else just falls into place. It's like Tetris. And it, that, that, that sacrifice and that obedience to God's word and to the instruction that the Bible has given us helps us with our decision making. 
I'm not going to be as frivolous with some of my spending and, and, you know, maybe I don't need this super nice F-250. Sorry, John. Maybe we can get by with the base model, you know? Um, it just, it helps with your decision making for everything else to fall into place. So you create with your household budget and, you know, based on percentages, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're overextended. You know, your home um, should, should not exceed 30%. And you create these guidelines. But before you get there, you have to find out what you're spending your money on because you're, you're trying to set things into motion. So the first thing that you need to do, which is a great place to start when you go home today, is to audit the last 90 days of your finances each mm. month. What are you spending your money on? I import this from into Excel, and most banks are going to have this as an option. You import it into Excel, and then you just categorize it. Don't go on the bank's categorizing for you because they'll create that gap graph. But actually go in and see what you're spending your money on. And it's really going to highlight where issues are. Um, but, you know, that, that's where to start. And then you can create your budget. And maybe it's going to take six months or a year to really tune things up to where they need to be so that you are aligned with percentages that allow you to save money, allow you to work towards some goals that you and your spouse or as a single person are working towards. Speak to somebody that is living paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, I think that it's really easy to be paycheck to paycheck. And it doesn't mean that you're in a, it doesn't mean that, that, that you're working in fast food or waiting tables. There's a lot of folks yeah. who are making six figures mm -hmm. who are still living paycheck to paycheck. Just because you make more money doesn't mean that you're managing it well. Um, I think it's important to break that cycle and also have some accountability. Um, you know, you have to be able to start with your budget and then follow it. Um, I think it's important to also remember that um, you, you need to live on less. Wow. A lot of us were frivolous with our purchases. Um, like I said, we can be making better choices throughout the day. Life gets stressful. We are going from baseball to baseball to football to you name it during the week. And if we don't plan accordingly, then we are going to spend $48 every single night in the drive-thru at Whataburger or Chick-fil-A. And you multiply that by seven, and there's our family vacation. You know, there's memories with our kids because we just ate it and wasted it. I think that's one of my pet peeves is when you're, you're spending money on things that aren't tangible. You know, God is all about investments. I want to be able to invest wow. in my church. I want to be able to invest in my community because there is an ROI. There's a return on mm -hmm. investment um, that is that you can see that is tangible. Uh, it, that's in you know different ministries and in God's work. Um, I think it's also important to give yourself a little grace. It's easy to feel defeated and just throw your hands throw, throw your hands up. Like I, I can't get the, I can't get this together. You know I you know. Uh, I, blew, I had a tire blow out on the way to work, and now I don't have the money to cover that. You know, obviously God's going to put you in tough situations sometimes, and we have to lean into that and learn from different things and to be able to change our practices. Um, but, I, you know, the way that I look at our finances is that we get another shot every 30 days. We get another shot to see what we can do different, to see what, we can, what fat we can trim out, to see different opportunities for us to find additional streams of income. Uh, there's a lot of things out there with uh, second jobs, 
online working opportunities. You know, the, the dream is mailbox money. How can you get there um, and just be diligent with it? Such a good answer. Thank you for leaning in. And I think uh, as we move on to the next question, that thought of uh, multiple streams of income, don't, uh, don't allow yourself to just be limited to only one income source. I think God gave us six days to work. He only told us to take one Sabbath. Maybe it's the American mindset, I'm not sure, but they have this weekend mentality that there's only five work days, but you can do so much more. You can still have balance, moderation, spend time with your family and your kids and your wife and husband. I'm not saying don't do any of that, but there are other means then if you're living paycheck to paycheck to get creative and to say, hey, how else can I do this? And I believe that as you're tithing, God will give you wisdom and give you ideas and concepts. Tara and I have seen this in our lives. About 10 years ago, we just saw like a guy came to me and he just said, hey, you're a youth pastor and I know your income is limited, so I want to give you a company. And he gave me a t-shirt and an embroidery company. Just bought it and gave it to us. There's another stream of income. That came from God. I believe that came as a blessing because we're consistently tithing. We're giving. We're committed to living generously, open-hearted, open-handed. And we give uh, all predetermined, and then we give also at God's command. And so I just think that there's so many other ways that we can operate through that as well. Um, answer this question for us. What, uh, when I, can I give my tithe to other churches or to other ministries? What does God think of that? So to really answer the question, you've, you've got to start digging in a little bit. And that's, you guys will kind of see a theme today that you've got to dig in a little bit. You can't just look at the surface. But the question really is, um, where am I planted? Like, where is my family planted? Where are my roots growing from? And the local church has always meant to be that. It's always meant to be the place. It's always meant to be our place of community. It's always meant to be our place of growth. It's where we, our kids come. It's where our kids have roots. Mm. It's where we have ties together. And so a, uh, let's define a term, a parachurch ministry, meaning a, a Christian ministry that is not a local church. They are, they are an ex, like really a crucial part of the body of Christ because they serve in capacities that really on, on some level are limits or weak areas in the local church. And so they come alongside of the local church to fulfill a need. And many times it's, and so one of you guys said this in first service, it's, it's that God has put something in someone for a specific purpose and in a local church births that thing that then causes them to be able to step out in faith and walk that thing out that God's called them to do. So now they lock arms with the church. And, and the challenge that I would say to you is this, and, and we'll look at scripture. What does scripture say in Malachi 3.10? Uh, Pastor Dave already mentioned it. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me, put me to the test. And I would just say this, the local church and a parachurch ministry, they are not competitors. In other words, we have a tendency to think there's a limited pool of money, but yet we serve the God of the universe, the God who created everything, and from my understanding of Scripture, he's not lacking one thing. Mm -hmm. He's not lacking anything. He's not going broke. He doesn't even have to live off a budget from what I, from what I can tell. And so if, if there's a need, the same church that is serving him and the same parachurch ministry that is serving him can look to God as their source and not look to people 
as their source, understanding that God is going to send people in there the same way Pastor Dave talks about this. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to live a life that is blessed, a life that is has God's favor in it. But to answer it, Pastor Dave, when it comes down to it, the, the tithe belongs to the local church because the scripture says it does. Because that's the place where our roots are planted. That's where our community is. And then from that, offerings are meant to go to the parachurch ministry, as Brandy so, so well, said it so well. That's the place where we go above and beyond because our hearts are drawn to those places and specific things. The Holy Spirit will lead us as individuals, as families, and even as a church. We get to choose, right, about what ministries we're involved in. There's a ton of great ministries, yeah. but you make those decisions as our head, right, of what places we're going to be involved we in. We do. I don't make them alone. I make right, them right, with the absolutely. board. It's a yeah. team, right, absolutely. And it is a great opportunity that we have to be able to do that as well. And it, I think it helps for you to know that every time you give, 10% of whatever you give goes towards something else as well. And so as we practice that as a church, we see God's blessings follow there as well. It, vision, vision for places to do things is never at a shortage. If you're like, ah, you know, I got an offering, Pastor, what do you want? What, what, just give it. If there's a specific place you want to give it to in the church, a, a specific need, we can certainly get together and talk about that. There's plenty of opportunities and places and teams that we can, that, that have needs. But um, I, 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 we don't make a big deal and lean in and talk about it at length all the time, every Sunday. But I do believe a part of discipleship and the practical discipline of understanding why I have my money, my resources, and what God expects of me to do with it as well. Um, so speak to the family that would say, um, I'd like to tithe, but uh, I'm not because I can't afford to tithe and feed my family. So then what does God expect from me? Yeah, I think uh, the first thing that I would point out is, is to trust God. That's what he expects from us, to trust him. That's good. Uh, and, you know, it's so easy just to go to that point where you say, you know, well, just tithe. Just tithe. Do it, you know. Uh, but when you're in real-life situations, yeah. that's, that's yeah. difficult, right? Uh, you know, you, you got a single mom or, you know, somebody that's, that's struggling. And we're, we're, we're laying in, you know, in bed and we're just kind of talking about, you know, what, you know, going over kind of what we wanted to say and what we felt about the questions that we had received and, um, and, and, and I was just kind of going through, I wasn't going through the motions at all. I was praying, you know, trying to just think what I wanted to say. And Brandy said something that was just so, like, like wow, you're so right. It's like, hey, John, speak to the single mom mm. who's sitting there going, hey, like, I can't, I can't. Like, I feel like I can't, right? And so I just feel like the first one has to be trust God. And, and I know that's so easy to say, but trust God, right? Uh, let, me give, let me give you the scripture real quick. It comes from uh, Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not, on, lean not onto your own understanding, but in all of your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And I think, you know, in the first service, pastor talked about this, you know, and, and, and even this service, uh, you know, talked about, I can get up here and I can pray for you for finances. Uh, and, 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 and as I pray, you know, if you're tithing, God will rebuke the devour for your sake. But as we begin to pray for you, it's like it's really important that we come alongside you and say, hey, I want to pray for you. I want to come alongside you. I, I want to see God move in your life. But are you tithing? Are you giving? You know, what's in your hand, right? Like, what do you have? 
And, 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 it's, and so I'm reminded of Job. Uh, Job is, you know, in the Bible, Job is, is, is tested. What's interesting, because in, in the beginning of Job, you know, the enemy is going in and out of the earth. And God says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going in and out of the earth, seeking whom I can devour. And he says, well, I have considered my servant Job. And I'm reading that the first time years ago, and I'm going, what? Like, come on, he, like, pointed him out to it, you know? Uh, and so Job, I mean, really, he just says, it's on. I'm going to take my hand off of Job, and you can get him how you want, you know? And so he loses his children. He loses all of his riches, all of his livestock. Everything that he had, he loses, right? And the one person that was left was a wife who told him to curse God and die. And so he's laying on his deathbed, broke out with boils and just, just health issues that he had in his body. His wife telling him to curse God and die. And he, he, he decides, in, in losing everything, he decides, no, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord. And because he honors the Lord, not only does God raise him up, he gives him back everything that he had and then multiplies it mm. by double again, right, because of his faithfulness. So I would certainly say to, you know, just be faithful, uh, and, excuse me, to just trust God and where he's at. I would say the other thing is accountability. Uh, it's, it's so important. Like, that, that is so important. Accountability in our lives in every aspect. Um, accountability in, in uh, you know, to yourself. Accountability with a friend. I would say that if you don't have someone, I'll be honest, the greatest thing that I ever did was getting married. And, and it was for many, 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 many different reasons. But one thing that has happened has my whole world has changed because I've been able to learn, uh, and, I'll, and I'll, I'm very proud of this from my wife, on how to steward my finances, how to go through that process and steward that finances. And there is an accountability for both of us in our finances. And so I would say have someone that's accountable if you don't have a spouse. If you are single, reach out to maybe a mom or a dad or, or someone that's in your life that you're close to that can hold you accountable. But then lastly, also, you know, uh, let the Lord hold you accountable as well. Um, you know, and so have that accountability in your life. Real quick, uh, real quick um, I would also add, what is God teaching us in this season? You know, we're in different seasons of our lives at all times. Sometimes we're making money, and yeah. sometimes it's hard. Yeah. You know, um, it could be that God's teaching us how to steward our time and money a little bit better. Um, maybe he's trying to direct us into a place where there is provision. And maybe he's trying to get us to a point to where we see, like, oh, wow, you know, I'm on the phone yesterday with a friend, and, you know, he's talking, and all of a sudden, I'm, you know, you, you pick up, oh, wow, I mean, maybe that is an opportunity. Maybe God's saying something in this, you know. Um, and then I think lastly and most importantly, uh, maybe, maybe the answer to this question is not really just in praying for finances, praying for more money, but wisdom. Wisdom to keep it, to make it, and, 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 and to know how to steward it. Yeah. Right? Really good. I, I go back to what we talked about in our series on the book of James. And we learned that God does not tempt us God doesn't tempt anyone, but God does test us. So take a perspective and figure out, is this an opportunity that God is testing me for me to live by faith and have an opportunity for a miracle in my life? I have seen God do many miracles in our lives. When we first got married uh, as a child, uh, as a kid, I can remember just my parents bringing us to the table and saying, we got to pray for God to help financially. And we've had those moments. I think everybody goes through those seasons. But I never saw my parents waver in their commitment to tithe. And Tara and I never have. 
And it's a testament to the fact that we may be tested in that area, but we will always give God what belongs to Him and then leave it up to God to help us with the rest as well. And I think that is a place that, and that is not, this is a very vulnerable question. It's a very challenging question, but I would, I would look at it through the lens of maybe God's trying to do something more in my life than I can just see in my bank account. Uh, number five, let's dive into this. Um, suggestions on equal, fair budgeting in my marriage. So when one person handles the finances and the other feels like the need, feels the need to ask permission to spend money. All right, so in every relationship, there's spenders and savers. Spenders and savers. So what do you do when some, okay, who, who's a spender and saver over here? Spender, saver. Saver, saver spender. And over here? Saver. Spender, saver. Saver. Spender. <laughs> okay, so, so where are you at? Raise your hand. How many spenders are in the room? Raise your hand if you're the spender. Raise your hand if you're the saver. Yeah. Savers are like, you know it. But spenders are like, yes. Like, it's just like you, you wear the badge very proudly. Like, it's very crazy. when you. Anybody, most couples, the dynamic is that way, spender, saver. Is there any couples in the room that you're both just spenders? Like, you're married to a spender. You're like, I'm a spender. See, the, the, any savers? Like, you're both savers? Very, very, like, seldom do you ever find that's the case. God has a unique way of matching us up so that we balance each other. So, in lieu of that, with that going on, what do you do when you are one of those versions and the other, your, your spouse is the other, but you have to ask permission? How do you balance that out? Speak into that. Speak into that, please. Yeah, I think, I think being on the same page is a huge, huge thing. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was looking at this question and we got it, uh, one of the things I looked at was when it said, um, you know, equal and fair. That word really stuck out to me a lot. And I was talking to my wife about this, and I just said, there's something about this question that just, just it eats at me. Every time I read that, equal and fair. And I, I think not only being on the same page, but I think replacing that word equal and fair with what's best for my family. You know, what's best for our situation. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of marriages that come into marriage, and, 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 they, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, but they have this mentality, my money is mine, your money is yours, and, you know, but I th there has to be a point in, in your marriage, in, in your relationship, where you look at your situation, you look at your marriage, you look at your family, you look at how things are going, and you, you, you stop and you say, okay, uh, what's best for my family? What's best for us? You know, and so I'd say that, I'd say, Learn that you're a team now, you know, uh, you're, you're a team, you're, you're, you're not, you know, especially yeah. for the early, uh, you know, those that have just gotten married, uh, the new newlyweds, uh, those who are engaged, you know, you're, you're, you're becoming a team. Um, I would say uh, understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Uh, you know, I, I understand my wife's strengths, understand her weaknesses. She understands my strengths and weaknesses, and we're accountable to those areas. She, yeah, okay. um, <laughs> And then I would say, you know, don't, don't get caught up in who's making the money and who's not. You know, we were in that situation where my wife was working, and I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going back to school. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go back to school. And my wife, and you know what, I'll, I'll openly, publicly say this, how thankful I am for that. Yeah. That my wife was able to come to me and say, you know what, I know this is what you want to do. I know this is what you've been wanting to do. 
I'm going to take the reins here, and I'm going to do this and allow you to do that. And there was, a, there was this, this give and take that happened uh, that allowed me to actually go back to school and, and do what I wanted to do. And, and, and so, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, just, just conversation between wife and husband, you know, and I think, uh, you know, it, it, we, we just, I think within the last three, four weeks, maybe the last, I don't know how long it's been now, about a month, uh, we started sitting down. And, and just on Sundays, we come together, we go over all of our finances. We go over our finances, we go over our budget, we go over uh, our expenditures. If we have any bills that week uh, that, are, that are pretty big, we know that they're coming out. Uh, we start to look at our goals. Uh, we look at any type of deposits that are gonna be coming in. Uh, but mainly, when we look at our finances, we not only look at our finances, but then we don't stop there. Yeah. We actually say, okay, what are our goals this week? What do we want to accomplish as a family? What do we want to accomplish as individuals? What do we want to accomplish with our children? Um, and, and, we, and we have that type of accountability too. So um, That's good. So I would yeah. say that, yeah. Yes. I couldn't hear the whole question. Did you hear it, Brendan? Yeah. Go ahead. So the question was, what do you say when you're trying to do the best for your family and someone says, basically, where is your faith in this? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that. So the, the challenge, challenge to respond in those moments where you're, in a sense, where you're challenged to, to step your faith up is, is this. I would ask two things. Number one, is the person ask, asking this question, do they know me? Do they love me? Do they care for me? Mm. Or is it someone that I don't have any relationship with? And relationship trumps most things. So if you have enough relationship with someone, and Pastor, uh, I have a great relationship with Pastor Dave, and Pastor Dave knows that there are insecurities and tendencies that I have in me that because we have enough relationship, he can speak to that. And he can say pretty much anything to me, and I can receive it because of the nature of those dynamics, those relationships. And so there's, there's a lot of that. If you have enough relationship, a lot of it can be asked, a lot of it can be said. However, if you don't have enough relationship, I would challenge, uh, is it really your place to say it, right? There are certain times where certain things need to be said either at the right time or by the right person. And if they're either said not at the right time or not by the right person, it's going to be challenging to receive. So just being in a place where out of relationship, a lot of stuff can get said. And not having enough relationship, man, it's like uh, it's it's like not having enough oil when two pieces of metal right are there, a piece of machinery yeah. working together without oil, it's always going to end badly. That's good, right? So, and I think just to um, also speak on that, in your marriage, obviously, finances are, are one of the most challenging things to discuss. In our marriage, we got married a little later in life. I, we were in our thirties, and. John came with his baggage. I came with my baggage. He had his spending habits. I had my spending habits. And we had to, you know, we didn't have what I consider a privilege to have grown into that together. Um, and it really took us sitting down and discussing what our goals were and being on the same page because we needed to understand each other's perspective towards money. You know, I, um, you know, he, I joke and say, you know, we just can't, you know, joke about like living on a prayer. You know, he always had such great faith. And it's not that I like lacked faith, but I also felt this um, overwhelming responsibility to steward the blessings that I'd been given. That's good. 
not wanting to be careless, I see the vehicle sitting in the driveway as a savings account. Push comes a shove, there's a for sale sign gonna be put on the dashboard. You know, and so we had very different um, ideas about managing finances. And so that's why those Sunday meetings and, and before we got married, having these really lengthy, lengthy discussions about money were so important. That way, not that we have not stumbled along the way, but we maintained an open line of communication. Yeah, that's so good. And I think as we uh, close this question out for the sake of time here, one other thought is as you're dating and as you are pursuing a relationship with somebody, find the moment well before marriage that you have a conversation to say what kind of debt do you have, what do you make, where are you at, what's your credit score, really practical questions because you don't need surprises after you get married like, oh, that's a lot of debt or anything like that. And so those are really good screening questions to have pre-marriage as well. Uh, our last question uh, is simply this. Should I change jobs for more money? Should I change jobs for more money? Well, I think that we need to discover inside of ourselves and ask ourselves, switch that question just a little bit and think about what is my motive for asking this question? Um, Matthew 6 is an amazing chapter on managing money, possessions, and looking at our motive for needing and um, our motive for what we do with those. And um, verse 20 and 21 says, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And I think based on what we talked about last week about our, our heart, you know, um, guard your heart for out of it comes the issues of life. <laughs> if you want to know where your treasure is, listen to the words of your mouth because mm. that's flowing out of your mouth. Have someone audit that for you. I love that idea of auditing our finances. Audit your words. See what you're talking about, what's coming out. Um, Matthew 6 goes on to say, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. Link, listen to the strength of these words. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That makes me stop and pause. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, clothes, coffee, don't Starbucks. worry. Don't worry about that. I think that if our, if our motive for asking the question about whether I should get another job is for do I need to provide for myself, if that pressure is on me, then I have to maintain it. I have to do the providing. I have to sustain it. And that's not maintainable. That's a foundation that's built on sand. That's not built, a, built on a foundation of rock that is faith in God. If our motive is God's leading us to that new job that is offering more money, I think that that follows a spiritual principle that is later in Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. In another version it says, seek first the kingdom of God. If your, idea, your eyes are on Jesus and 
that is what you're headed towards and you're living righteously, he will give you everything else yep. that you need. And sometimes that's material things. That's a job with more money. But sometimes it's peace. Yes. Sometimes yep. it's just soul restoration. It is harmony in your family. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall so not good. want. Yeah. That, I believe that that God first mentality, if we can adopt that and hand over whatever aspect you can of your life to God and adopt that God first mentality, whether it's in your relationships or in your parenting or in your finances, God will take it and he's yep. able to do more than we possibly can. So good. Thank you for sharing. You know, money is neutral. Money is just neutral. It's what you do with it, how you spend it, how you withhold it, that determines and shows your heart. Money in itself is not wrong. It's the love of money. It's the root of all evil. It's, it's what we do with it, how it, it holds us or we hold it. I would not let it hold me tightly, but I would hold it loosely. And when you do that, you're positioning yourself in a place to be generous with what God has entrusted to you. And you can be in that space of answering questions like that. Should I change jobs for more money? We live in the era of the great resignation. It's so bad they have nicknamed it. Because people are resigning and leaving their jobs. I think one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is longevity and tenure in a lot of ways. Now, if you're praying for, God, I, 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 like, I need more money. I like more money. Nothing wrong with praying for more money. Nothing. Um, and he answers it through that, then he was, I believe he may have been leading you to pray that. However, I would caution you against just jumping around for a little bit more here and there, here and there, instead of just having stability and tenure that really looks good on a resume and is a really good anchor and value in your own life as well. As we close out today, I, I want to give you a couple steps, a couple thoughts on what you can do, application. And um, one would be to, do you have a personal budget? Do you have a budget in your life that is operational, that's functional, that you and your spouse together have gotten together, given input on, worked it through? And as Brandy said, it's probably not going to be perfect. Give it a long runway to get to that place. Several months. Get input. Come see her. Talk to her. Talk to somebody else. And, hey, we're trying to make this work. Help us personal budget will go a long way. It's a long-term idea. Then also, I would challenge you, do you tithe? Are you a tither? Have you ever taken God up on his question, on his challenge, excuse me, to say, test me in this? It's the one area that we have in Scripture that he invites us into an opportunity to put him to the test. He doesn't say, test me that I'll forgive you of your sins or test me that I will be kind to you. He said, test me that I won't open the heavens and pour out blessings on your life. I want each one of us to live with as many blessings as God is willing to pour out. And so I have no problem speaking into our lives when it comes to finances and money and living generous lives. So in doing this, we had this idea. And so we are presenting a 90-day tithers challenge. They're going to throw this slide up on the screen. And this simply means I'm inviting you 
into a space where you say, for the next 90 days, I am going to be a tither. 90 days. Now, this was God's invitation. We just built off of this thought. But he said, test me and see if I don't. You can read that in Malachi 3. And here's the greatest part of this challenge is that God will fulfill his word. When we're faithful, God is faithful. God is faithful regardless, no matter what, but he invites us into a space as well. So the budget is set for the year for the church. However, if you are in a space where you're like, I'm going to be a tither, I'm going to take this 90-day challenge, get you sometime into the fall. If you don't see God's blessing on your life, if you don't, if you can't put your finger and pinpoint it and say, look what God is doing. He is a man of, he is a God of his word to say, look, he has done this for me in my life. If you're like, this tithing thing is a scam, shouldn't have ever started it, come and let me know and the church will give you your money back. Because it's, it's, it's his money that we're stewarding and it's his word that we're taking him at. I'm so serious about it. I'm inviting you to come in. The, we'll put it in savings and won't spend it. If you're like, I'm a new tither, put my money on the side for the next 90 days as it comes in. We're just taking God at his word. Forgiveness for our sins. A place in heaven for all of eternity. To live off 90% now instead of 100% like would be logical and make sense. This is a life of faith. Living the God first life is simply saying, God, I'm putting you first in every area. And here's the bottom line to it. This is the place of God. You have control over my life. I'm yielding control. The hardest thing to yield in your life, I believe, is control. When you move into a space of forgiveness for sins and salvation, you yield control. When you move into a space with your money, you yield control. Your marriage will be better when you yield control mutually. Letting God have control is such a key component to our lives. So I want to invite you across this room, those watching online, wherever you are, to pray. And have a conversation with God. This is what we're going to always ask you. We're going to give you vision and opportunities to give, opportunity to take step. At the end of every message, we say, what is God saying to you about this message? Is he talking to you about something that you can apply in your life? And if you need a personal budget, walk it through. Get some help. Find somebody. If you need to begin tithing, walk it out for the next 90 days and see if God is not faithful to his word. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need to surrender control of my life completely. I've really never making, taken that step and given Jesus Christ position in my life where he is in charge. Where he's forgiven you of your sins and he wipes the slate clean. If today you want to pray that prayer. Today you can move by faith into that space. We're talking about money and resources, and today you can have your eternal destiny change forever. That's how amazing God is. But that is a starting point for all of Christianity. That is a beginning place for each one of us to begin to live this God-first life. So I invite you into any one of those areas, but my heart implores you, if you've never made Christ Lord of your life, do it today. I want to pray with you. If you close your eyes for a moment, look inside your heart and ask yourself simply, what is God saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? What would you have me do right now? And then you make up the answer. We're going to pray across this room from front to back. I'll lead you in a prayer. You can use the words that I say if you want just to help and guide you. Would you lean in? Would you pray out loud? Say, Jesus, come into my life. 
and forgive me of my sins. Make everything new. I am yours. And now you are mine. Lead me to live this God-first life. You are my first priority in life. I place you above all things. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and making all things new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate. I believe God is doing some significant things. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope that this has been uh, significant in your life. If you have not heard the rest of it, you can go back online, YouTube, or to the website and watch the other messages as well. Uh, there's some, just some really good insight on parenting and families and relationships there too. Um, hey, come back again next week. We'll have more. Small groups are launching soon, the end of August. If you want to lead a small group, come see Pastor Tara or myself and let us know. We'd love to get you in as a small group leader. They are just around the corner. If you're new here and visiting today, let me say this. You don't feel any obligation at all to give. This service is our gift to you. But would you do us a favor? Would you stop by the next steps table to your right as you exit? And there's a gift we have for you there. And there's a connect card. The only thing we ask of you, would you please fill that card out to the amount that you want to, the information that you choose. And we'd love to just simply connect with you this week via email uh, and take that bag with you as well. A little gift from us. For those that call the Avenue home, this is our opportunity to give back to God through the avenue, and there's three ways you can do that. You can do it by text to give, texting any amount to 84321. You can do that online at myavenue.church forward slash give, or you can do it at a giving station in the back with cash or check and use an envelope back there as well. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that every time you give, we're able to move forward as well with what God has given us stewardship over. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll get you out of here. God, thank you for what you're doing in this space changing our lives and moving us from where we are to where you want us to be. Bless us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.